Hello, welcome to Silly Point, your repository for all things cricket. That's right, I did say repository. I'm uh, Brendan Cummins and I'm joined by Michael Bate. I would say hello, but I say hello by headbutting people, so I'm not really sure how to broadcast <laughs> yeah, that via we'll a podcast. To, we'll, tweet the vi- we'll tweet Vision later. <laughs> and Reese Meekins, how are you going? I was great. And then Mike <laughs> stole my intro. <laughs> Good thing I've got the heaviest head in West Australian cricket, so I can absorb those well, kind of blows. Bit like, welcome to Silly Point, your heaviest head in cricket podcast. <laughs> but I didn't know. Was... Reese has got a book of notes anyway, so oh, he's, he's probably gone. got a I'm bunch just, of other. I've just struck that off my book of notes. <laughs> Can't Sorry. use heavy head material. Sorry, there was no malice in it. There's no malice. <laughs> no, in it. no, no. It's, it was a bit different, but it wasn't malicious. It was weird. So I don't know how you guys went, but following my bold predictions of last week, I, I copped a little bit. At, come day three, I was getting a few messages going, "Oh yeah, five nil, mate. What are you talking about? What's going?" And then like you know, come come day four, it's like, "Oh yeah, you were right. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you were right, Brendan." <laughs> How so, do we? Uh, did anyone bother to recap on our predictions? Um, no, I don't. I don't know if I made any predictions. <laughs> I thought just all the cricketers would have a good time, <laughs> and that would be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that completely. So came I, mean, true. I mean, my 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 uh, five nil my my pidge prediction mm-hmm. is still on target. And uh, do you know? I think Jimmy Jimmy did. There was there was murmurings of maybe a Jimmy side strain at some point. So yeah, yeah, that's true, <clears throat> definitely. So you hit the retirement, the, the, re- the retirement, the retirement <laughs> predictions still on. So there's a few more. There's probably a few more that have come out of the the, yeah. the first test. So I, I guess what did what were the what, what what were your feelings of the the first test match? Have you got any over? Uh, did did it? play out the way you thought it probably would or there's been a lot of talk about Brisbane but not being the pitch that it it should have been or that mm. we were expecting what what were your feelings yeah, about that? Yeah it wasn't wasn't the pitch we're used to from from a from a Gabba wicket I don't think. Um I mean Steve Smith talked a lot about how it was very two paced. So, you know some balls were flying through to the keeper and some weren't. It was obviously a very small, uh, very slow scoring rate. Um, but, yeah, uh, to be honest, Australia won, which is <laughs> what you expect from a Gabba yeah. Test match. So history, it doesn't matter what the pitch was like. The, the history is still there that it's a, the, the, for, the Gabbatoire, right? <laughs> Is that has that like just come on since? Is it another warningism? Do you think that probably I'd yeah. never heard it yeah. until very recently. It's stupid. So yeah. it's, I'm gonna it's either, <laughs> it's either KP or Warney, right? Yeah. So. it's up there with Koala Lumpur but, for yeah. for bouncer or whatever Warney reckons that means. So I think there's been. It's funny because I think there's been the the. Wacker pitch definitely over the past ten years hasn't played the way a lot of. Or it doesn't have that bounce that everybody talks about, maybe going like, oh, it's the Wacker, it's ferocious. There's been a few five-day test matches at the Gabba in recent history, and that sort of suggests to you that it's not a ferocious pitch to play on. So I don't know whether that whether it kind of did play out a little bit the way I thought. And I think if you go back to the last 
maybe not the last Ashes Test, but the one before that, there was there were, there were a lot of runs scored there. So mm-hmm. it, it certainly felt that if maybe they'd managed to hang on for another, both both sides in the first innings had hung on for another ten or fifteen overs, there could have been a lot of a lot of runs on offer in the second innings. Do you think? I certainly feel that maybe England missed an opportunity for another twenty or thirty runs in their in their first innings. What do you did you what, what did you think of their f- the first innings? It was was weird. Did you not? The first innings was very unusual. And look, I think we were all expecting that pretty classic Gabba wicket where it's going to be difficult to make runs early, but once you're in, you're in. And certainly. Um, yeah, Vince batted very well, very patiently. And yeah, that was a magnificent partnership. And you thought, oh yeah, this is going to be pretty standard. These guys are in control. The thing's going to flatten out and then it's just going to be theirs for the taking. But look, unfortunately for England, they lost wickets at crucial times and really in that middle to lower order, just couldn't stitch together another partnership. Uh, and particularly getting Joe Root cheaply in that first innings was obviously critical for Australia. And that really ended it for them. They had a magnificent platform and probably should have ended up being you know, 100 runs further ahead from where they were, at least. There was a little bit of maybe looking back in this. I always think about these players on debut and you have everybody talk about there being plans to batsmen. And it, it's a little bit with the Vince and Stoneman, this sort of felt like Australia didn't really know how to get them out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to stick around for the rest of the series. And it sort of showed, it sort of appeared that way come the, come the second innings where um, it was, do you know, they yeah. sort of got out. Che- so I, I don't... I think England maybe that that first there's a, there's two I'm I'm kind of like Tony Two Face a little bit in that <laughs> I don't know whether England played really well in that first one but whether they just hung on enough to make it seem like it could have been a good Test match and, well, and in the end it really wasn't. You, you, you mentioned the the new three new batsmen new to Australia hadn't hadn't played here before I doubt Australian bowl, the Australian bowlers would have seen much of them and they all made fifties in the first dig. Mm. Didn't do much in the second dig. I think Stoneman hung around for a bit, but the other two got out fairly cheaply. So, yeah, do you think it is a case of they didn't didn't really know too much about them? They didn't have plans and maybe got a good look at them and had a plan for the second uh, innings? So, I've, I've come the second innings, I think they were, it was less of a... It was probably more short balls bold. I think it was definitely more intimidation mm. in the second the second dig. Well, it seemed like the pitch had, had uh, flattened out a bit. Maybe it was a bit quicker. Yeah. It was a bit easier to bowl, short short pitch bowling. So I don't think that it was a lot of, uh, yeah, Stoneman, they look look really solid. And Paul Collingwood told me, oh, this, this is this is my, my microphone. <laughs> Paul Collingwood came to me. Oh, no, he's from... He's from Island or something, I don't know. <laughs> you know a lot of, oh, he should have been in this the side five or six years ago. He's so brilliant. But I, I, I really don't think that there's too much to those two guys. So maybe, who knows? You can't read too much into innings. But there's a lot, a lot of it is, you know, cricket. You're watching cricket and the commentators have to talk a lot of nonsense for a long time. Which <laughs> is just a lot of time to fill, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Did you, did, I don't know what the, the genuine generally there's two places you come across your cricket commentary it's either the 
Channel 9 that you watch with the with the broadcast itself or ABC. Um, I'm a little bit... I've watched the, watch the, the broadcast and I listen to the Channel 9 commentary. Partly because there's a lot of lulls. Like not, not for the reason that everybody, you know, that slats and everybody think there are lulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the sort of uh, ironic lulls, I suppose, yeah. how, how poor they are. Yeah. I really enjoy their ladsy banter. <laughs> <laughs> Tales yeah, we got to really be careful about how uh, we go into uh, cricket commentary. It's just about talking shit for a long time. <laughs> There's a lot of lousy <laughs> glass houses they yeah. shouldn't throw stones but there was there was a moment where KP was talking about it was, and it became a running theme about how he couldn't get out of Brisbane quick enough and it was a, talking about himself in the bath now, do you, <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think that well that was that was a bit awkward there was another moment uh, where they were showing a replay of Cameron Bancroft getting uh getting a pull shot to the to the grill fielding it short leg and kp and tubbs run together and tubbs said something about oh you wouldn't you know if i was fielding there i would have been lying on the ground and kp said oh mate i'd be lying underneath you and then <laughs> off camera you heard of raucous laughter <laughs> Should, should we really just make this podcast about keeping the Channel 9 commentary team accountable for the sexist, <laughs> homophobic, racist stuff they say? Or? Well, we could, but I think Twitter's kind of jumped on that yeah. with, the, yeah. with the whole backlash of their, their group photo. Yeah. I mean, do you think that whilst underneath Mark Taylor, <laughs> fielding in a catching position... KP would be wearing those desert boots <laughs> and nothing Absolutely. else. I think his, I think Mark Taylor's reply was like, "I'd never be caught on top of a guy <laughs> that's wearing desert boots." I mean, that was the standard slipped, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've well, seen, you know, there's, how many Richies are there in the crowd now? I mean, there's like a hundred of those people, all perfectly dressed, and then you've got Kevin Peterson just shitting all over <laughs> a fine legacy. <laughs> Of beautifully dressed Channel 9. Is I was going to say commentators, but Channel 9 men. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, does it come to the end of the test match and it's like Shane Warne's dressed by this person and <laughs> Mark Nicholas is dressed and then KP is dressed by blue jeans. <laughs> KP dressed by himself. <laughs> KP brought his own boots and we had to work out the outfit around those boots. Yeah, is Jess it, clearly left at home. Obviously <laughs> didn't come on tour. Is it not horrible that we've got people now saying that Mark Taylor is like a pretty good commentator? Have we, have we just lost so much in the, in the world of cricket commentary that now Mark Taylor is the premier <laughs> cricket commentator or... Because oh, I think you go back five years ago and people are just like, they're all horrible. Just mm. give me Richie and that's it. Yeah. Well, we have to wait four tests to maybe get Bill yep. Laurie at the MCG. Maybe. Yeah. And all I can hope for is there's no doubt Bill Laurie is not listening to this podcast. But if, <laughs> if anyone, if one of the three people, like if mum, if you happen to know Bill Laurie, <laughs> can you implore him to make his way down to the MCG? Because that... That talent pool is very, very shallow. Yeah, it's uh, it's it it is almost becoming a joke on itself. That the level of ladsiness that's 
And I used to think there's a time where I was like, oh, Warney's really good. When, you know, the first few years Warney was on there and, and Mark Nicholas knows enough about cricket to extract information out of a player like Warney. But now it seems to be that there's just so much of, of the content that they actually repeat about the cricket. There's just, just so much repeated stuff and then it's just ladsiness. Yeah. yeah, and it's a shame because I think some of them do have some insights into the game. I think Shane Warne, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think he does say some insightful thing about things about spin bowling sometimes, but it just gets drowned out in the, in the nonsense and the, and the banter that goes on, you know, it just, yeah. I mean, Warne is a good lad. Yeah. He's looking good. Yeah. He's he's looking looking good. Good. Yeah. Oh, he had a shave though. And look on record, I'm actually looking around the room and I've got the shortest beard out of anyone here, which is a travesty. But as a card carrying beard fancier, uh, I was loving Warney's look about four or five weeks ago with, you know, probably a two to three week beard. Not sure now that he's clean shaven again. It's gone back to being a little bit plasticky. Is it not a plastic beard? No, no, no. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. like that, was, that was all natural, advanced hair in places where advanced <laughs> hair had never been used before. So... We had a couple of controversial moments. Bring, bring it back to the test. We'll bring it back to the test. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about cricket. A, no. a couple of maybe controversial moments, and I want to uh, speak about the Moanali stumping and and see what your thoughts are. Did you? Um, there was a part of me that thought potentially that if that was an Australian batsman getting out, I would be really dirty. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'd be filthy if that was an Australian so if, getting out. I guess, assuming that, it, probably shouldn't assume that everybody's seen it and burnt five days in front of the telly <laughs> and the retinas and now just seeing the red ball. So there's a Mo, Mo and Ali's uh, playing Nathan Lyon and is coming out of his, he's just leant forward to block away a ball. Yeah, he hasn't come out of his crease really. I think he thinks his foot is still in the crease, but he's leant forward a long way, dragged the foot to the edge of the crease line. So it's kind of that classic uh, spinners stumping, um, but not dancing down the pitch. And uh, they, they show a replay because uh, Alain Dar is not sure. And Tim Payne, Payne train, very confident. <laughs> train. Very confident. Toot, man. toot. Yes. All the way. <laughs> All the way to the station. Um, and, and then they, they show the replays and it's not... Look, there's definitely no evidence to suggest that it's part of the foot is behind the line, but it's not 100% clear. So I guess in, with, with the thoughts of the laws as they stand, benefit of doubt goes to the batsman. Do you not feel that that potentially should have gone Mo and Ali's way? I wouldn't have been surprised if it did, to be honest. Um, I th- yeah, I did. I was amazed that the third umpire seemed to be so confident because yeah. the review yeah. took a, a short mm. amount of time, mm. and he he almost seemed to be taking the position of there's got to be proof that there's something behind the line rather than mm. there's got to be proof that there's nothing behind the line. Yeah, if that mm. makes sense. Um, I I yeah, I, as I said, I'd be pretty annoyed if it was an Australian batsman getting out that way, but I I kind of feel like. It was brave third umpiring. Um, I think he's used the technology. I think the technology 
takes a bit of that doubt out, if you know what I mean. Like the benefit of the doubt thing has existed since before the technology was around. So I think the fact that you can look at it from multiple angles and see, I can't see any of his foot behind the line. It's all on the line. So I think that in his, in the third umpire's mind, there's, there's no doubt. So out of that, are you surprised that there's a member of the Barmy Army that knows how to use technology <laughs> enough to project <laughs> a couple of lines across the show? Those lines looked yep. a little wonky to me. Yeah, so. definitely on a diet. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what I love about those lines is, and, and I get that argument that the crease gets very fat towards the middle. But at the end of the day... It's it still the crease. It hasn't moved. It, the crease has not moved. It's the exact same crease that Ali had been batting on <laughs> all day and yeah. indeed every other batsman had batted on. And I, I feel very sorry for Moen. He was batting well and that, you know, that's a matter of millimetres and it's an unfortunate dismissal for him. But ultimately, it's not as though someone got out there yeah, you know, <laughs> over. Yeah, just yeah. If Matthew Wade was keeping, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was out there with nail polish, just kind of <laughs> getting that sorted yeah. out between deliveries. But yeah, they're not playing knuckles and they're not yeah. moving the line around on it. So I think then there are some other interesting. There is the three D effect of how the line is perceived to go through the hollow where the bowler's footprints are. And, Get over it. Yep. He knew where the line was when he played the shot. He lines up to it every ball. He knows where mm. it is. If he doesn't want it to move, don't bloody bowl on it, mate. If you yep. He's fa- to blame for it. He bowled plenty of overs mm. in that first inning. So. And, and facing a spinner with the keeper up, you've got to know where your back yeah. foot is. You've got to know it's behind the line. Mm. You know. Yep. Otherwise, you're just asking to be stumped. And Tim yep. Payne Paint took him up on that offer. Oh, and, uh, but can we, a- can we just dwell on Tim Payne for... <laughs> How long we got? Next 20 minutes of this podcast? Because, um, oh, I tell you what, how adamant was he about that dismissal? And you can argue that it's just a classic excited wicketkeeper, but I just want to think that is Tim Payne's 600 years of first-class cricket experience <laughs> coming to the fore. And, you know, admittedly, he's been patrolling the boundary for Tasmania or carrying drinks. I don't even know, but I'll tell you what, I'd like to think that was some really astute glove work. Yeah. Boy, howdy. Yeah, and uh, so he, he dropped a, uh, a tough a tough chance off Nathan Lyon in the first innings. Yeah. Uh, didn't cost us too many runs. I think Vince was in, in the 60s at the time. Yeah, that's about right. Um, but then he's manufactured us two wickets out of nothing, basically. In the <laughs> so I guess that, that, that's the other potentially... Maybe not controversial one, but unlucky one that the Barmy Army might be sweating over to, tonight and prior to Adelaide it, is the the broad uh, feather. It wasn't unlucky. It was karma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, couldn't it happen like, to a nicer bloke. <laughs> even, yeah. even as he looked up at the big screen and saw the, the feather on Hotspot, and saw the spike on Snicko Broad was like, nah, never hit that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never hit one in my life. <laughs> it was funny when uh, Verity, my partner, was asking me about why people when Root comes out to the out to the ground and she's she's just like, Why why do they hate Root so much? I'm like, oh no, they don't hate Root. Just... They just say Root. <laughs> they hate Broad. And she's like, why do they hate Broad? I'm like, because he hit the leather off it. <laughs> Three years ago, and didn't walk. 
So yeah, definitely a bit of karma for for Broad there. Mm. And great, great keeping call. Like it, it reminded me of one. Uh, I, should, I was meaning to look this up, but I didn't. This is the level of research I'm doing, but I swear there was one... <laughs> Do you want to borrow my notebook? I think it's in there somewhere. There was one... Wasn't there one in the World Cup when Pup was still captain and Pup was maybe at second slip and Smith was at first slip or vice versa? And there was an edge that only Steve Smith heard and he told mm, Pup to go yeah, for the review. Yeah. It was like that. Like, pain was absolutely adamant. Yeah. Mitchell Stark shook his head, said, no. Nah. Yeah, there yeah. was no, there was yeah. little He didn't no appeal at all. Yeah, it was all Tim Payne. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Further to no celebration, did, how often do you see a fast bowler look at the captain and keeper who are adamant that it needs to go upstairs? Nah, nah, mate. Don't yeah, worry don't about it. Don't waste it. Yeah. yeah. It was, a, yeah, certainly an interesting, interesting call. Um, <laughs> so, I guess we've, We've covered off the major talking... Well, two-thirds of the major talking points out of the, the first test, and we have this interesting one that's sort of come up in the last 24 hours of the Johnny Bairstow <laughs> headbutt Cameron Bancroft. And I, I believe... It's just a greeting. <laughs> yeah. It's just how we greet people. So I think... you, And it's not a big issue, but I think you have some... Maybe potentially some... some do you have the interview loaded up or is it? No, I don't. Okay. Sorry. But we'll, 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 maybe we we'll, can we'll, drop we'll, it in yeah, later. <laughs> we'll, we'll, bring, we'll bring some interesting uh, context to the, uh, the headbutt incident in, in a moment. But really, so England are over to play a tour match and they go to a reputable <laughs> nightclub, classy establishment for some drugs and it... Johnny Best though decides to say hello to to a cheeky lad in Camp Bancroft and uh, gives him a bit of a headbutt. Do you, do you expect that there's going to be anything that comes of of the incident? Or I don't think so. I think I think everyone's just trying to draw a line under it. Really, it's it's probably just something that Bancroft has mentioned to the lads. You know, after the game on Saturdays, like oh. I met I met Johnny Besto at Clubber and he headbutted me. <laughs> and Davey Warner's gone, hang on a second, we can use this. <laughs> when- I, I, just, I love the way it's become some sort of, in the eyes of the English, it's become this kind of like Australian conspiracy. Like, oh, I trust the Aussies to bring that one up. Like, well, you know what, mate, you did it. And anything we can use, they're going to use it. I, I, I didn't choose a a um like picking Cam Bancroft. The, he has the biggest head. In. <laughs> <laughs> the heaviest head. Heavy. It's been measured. Yeah. There are measurements. <laughs> I'm not sure how they measured the head. Some sort of MRI, I'm assuming. I don't well, know. What's how the study you... of the head? Is it phrenology? <laughs> <laughs> Got some little pincers out and measured the head. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure that's still, like, used as an actual science, but sure, JL's probably still... In JL's whacker. Mm, You've got the cranium of an opening batsman, Cameron. (laughs) So, yeah, it doesn't seem like Bairstow got much love out of Bancroft. And maybe it's a little bit of of payback for Warner on route all those years ago. Who knows? Could be, could be. But it's sort of, it's being talked about like it's a... Uh, uh, 
an incident like what happened with Ben Stokes. And it obviously isn't that. No, it's no. just a, it's just something that's the media's kind of gotten a hold of and beaten up a bit. And now everyone, all the players and coaches are just trying to smooth it over and mm. let's move on. Let's go to Adelaide. Let's beat the Ponds again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Ben Croft's not a war veteran. <laughs> I'm no. just going to keep saying war veteran <laughs> as much as possible to prevent Ben Stokes from ever being allowed to tour. ECB, if you're listening... He was a war veteran. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because they, they talked the first day about um, Moen Ali's record as a all-rounder against Ben Stokes. And, and Moen Ali actually has more runs and more wickets than what Ben Stokes does. Is that right? So, that is interesting. This, this feeling of no Ben Stokes, no England is possibly a little bit misguided. And I, th- I think there is a little bit potentially that Moen Ali has put them in uh, ben Stokes has won them games off his own bat mm-hmm. and potentially that makes him, it's a bit of folklore about him. And I think it also, the lack of a Ben Stokes um, makes their tail just that little bit longer because mm. Jake Ball was the Ben Stokes replacement with the ball and yep. he is not up to much with the bat from yep. what I've seen. So, yeah, it, it, it affects that balance of the side. A little bit of discussion about where Bairstow bats with Ali as well and a feeling that Bairstow should be batting in front of Ali. So it just seems like it has really disrupted that whole balance. And mm-hmm. it, but, again, I don't know whether that there really is much truth to the Ben Stokes being the, the guy. No, I've... Never really had any respect for Stokes after that attempted stare down against Mitchell Johnson. Uh, what was that? Three series ago. So I'm probably not the right person to comment, let's be honest. <laughs> I just can't stand the man. Every time you look at him, like I could understand someone trying to start a fight with him outside a pub in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> so have we got... I think we've covered most of the first sets. Have we got any... There's probably two glaring omissions. Um, We've spoken a lot about a lot of non-cricketing matters. I just want to pull this back to two things. Steve Smith scored a arguably a not a match saving, but a match setting up century. I think he kind of does that all the time. I think match saving. I think if he doesn't make that that hundred, we we probably lose to be honest yeah but you know what i think was more important than that if we're talking about match saving was a classic sean marsh match saving 50 (laughs) (laughs) sean marsh back in the side we have come back so i did i did give everybody the opportunity to like talk about their predictions (laughs) earlier on and you you omitted the opportunity to take your your soapbox of swampy Glory. I didn't want to. I didn't want to quote because uh, I think my other prediction was Australia win the te- win the toss, and Cook scores you know a thousand runs on a, <laughs> on a road. Um, yeah, Sean Marsh. Uh, like clearly, this podcast in its relative infancy has huge raps on Sean Marsh, and he's delivered once again he a sure match saving fifty. He Beautiful sure did. partnership. It was, it was a great innings. Uh, the way he got out was a little too Sean Marsh for me. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, it that opinion a hammy? He, yeah, he, he did bat very well and he, he was great when with When it was difficult, I yeah, think. Yeah, very yep. difficult. Um, and I think Pat Cummins as well. Yeah. Great yep. first test in, uh, in Australia. Very important innings and bowled very well. I yeah. think we spoke about the fact that 
there was a potential for an Australian collapse and having Sean Marsh at six mm-hmm. was possibly a great, like a, a, a really like clever position for him to be at. And, and one where he doesn't have to come out and make a hundred and set the game up, but make that 40 or 50 and it can really like stable mm. a rocky ship. And I think yeah. the differences between the two tails, I think there is a, there is a little bit more batting in it in Australia's tail than there is in England. And, and that mm. number six position is going to be very important. I think for the rest of the series, especially coming up to Adelaide where you can lose four or five wickets very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, both the, both the pink ball tests have been pretty low scoring affairs. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. So if you got any, what are you, what are your feelings coming out of that first test into the, the pink ball test? A, a lot of the, the wider community, suggests that it's England's to lose and I'm not I'm not too convinced that that's the case I think it's a a lot to do with the way the toss goes mm-hmm. is that do you have some stats about uh oh, England's oh, gee really? thank thank you Mike I <laughs> thought you'd never ask oh wow look at all these stats um so we've had the pink ball test in this country for two seasons now this is the third None of them have been high-scoring affairs. So New Zealand 2015, neither side scored more than 224 runs. And South Africa last year, um, Australia's first innings was very good, 383, if my earlier Googling serves me right. Um, but <laughs> that beyond, certainly wasn't the Hobart test. I think we it, scored 83 or possibly yeah. less. And look, some may argue that this was simply a response to the the Hobart test. Um, England have had the one pink ball test against the West Indies earlier this year. 514 (laughs) for the loss of eight wickets. Uh, (laughs) And then they uh, enforced the follow-on against the Windies, who amassed 168 in the first and 137 in the second. So England have shown that (laughs) the pink ball is not necessarily <laughs> insurmountable. And uh, Alastair Cook, 243 runs in that solitary innings of theirs. Root, 136. And a relatively new coming gentleman by the name of Darford Milan <laughs> uh, scored 65. Wow. Um, and then just looking at the bowlers, and you know, this is the big question that we have, is how are the English bowlers going to do under lights with the pink ball. Um, Anderson took five wickets across those two innings, as did Broad, uh, and Moen took three. Um, Funnily enough, Anderson three for 34 in the first, Broad three for 34 in the second. Read into that what you will. I I guess the big difference between those two sides is that the West Indies are an absolute basket case and <laughs> probably rocked up to that game not knowing what the colour ball they were, <laughs> were going to play with and or, really probably didn't care. Yeah, and who was going to be sponsoring their jumper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole who line. was actually playing on the day. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot, of, a lot of people seem to think that Broad and Anderson are a absolute class above Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. So I, th- I think that's the big thing is that Sure, Broad and Anderson might be might be better than Stark and and Hazelwood, whatever margin you think it is. Let's assume that everybody agrees that that's the case. Surely Cummins is better than Ball and Wokes. 
Absolutely. Well, from what we saw from the first test, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and especially in Australian conditions, I you've think got to. The pink ball will suit Wokes. I think he's a bit more of a swing bowler. Ball was there very much their enforcer. Their their. I think I have a feeling that he won't be playing in Adelaide, because um, he he didn't do that enforcer role very well. His bounces were too high, yeah. misdirected. Mm. Um, I had a look at who else they've got on the tour as far as quicks because um, I think they've got quite a few injuries. Mark Wood is playing a English Lions game, mm. so he might be called so in, Wood is, possibly. Wood is the guy for anybody who is unfamiliar, is, is the midget that bowls 145 games. <laughs> and <laughs> he likes to pretend he's riding a, an imaginary horse <laughs> when he's out in the field. Um, and then they've got a 20-year-old left armour who I'm not sure has done very much domestically, but he's a bit of a raw product. I think he's quite quick. And then uh, the other bloke is Craig Overton, who's a, a bit of an all-rounder, medium-fast. Mm. I'm not not too sure how he bowls. So, so England are probably in this... Stokes is probably the perfect fast bowler for the Adelaide test, knowing that you want to bat deep. Um, yep. So yeah. they're in this problem where they've got this issue where I don't really know who they're going to bring in to bat to replace Ali if he has to have a week off with his, his gammy finger. And who they replace ball with. So they've, there's a little bit of there's some question marks about where they're going to go with the with that Adelaide test. And you think Australia probably go into that test unchanged? I think there's no. There's, there is talk of uh, they've caught up Chad Sayers. Really? Yeah, there's talk of him getting a getting a Guernsey for the for a home test because he knows the conditions so well and he's a swing bowler. There's always Jackson Bird as well, but. Well, that, that would yeah, require you dropping Australia's best bowler from the first test. And I think there's... Well, I, 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 my money would be on it going in unchanged into Adelaide. I, I there's, would, always, yeah. there's always space for one spinner. And unless Smith is going to bowl five to eight overs. Yeah, they're not going to drop Gary Lyon. He, he was magnificent. <laughs> he was yeah, class yeah. above. He was the best yeah. bowler in that test. Yeah. So he, I don't, he was excellent. Uh, I don't think he can, and I don't know who they would drop. Otherwise, I think everybody else did enough. Mm. Cummins did enough with the bat and did enough with the ball, and you can't drop Hazelwood and Stark. So. Yeah. I think the only question mark there would be Stark, and I don't know if it was just a matter of reading too much into the body language, but he looked very uncomfortable at times, um, kept it's grabbing. because he's not getting hat tricks. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> probably it. So, oh, wait, I'm not, I'm not bowling against a shield side. Uh, but, yeah, he kept grabbing at his ankle. He looked a bit uncomfortable. Um, Mike, you mentioned Jackson Bird. He's taken eight in the shield this round. So, look, maybe that's not a terrible option. If Stark is a little bit proppy, given the quick turnaround between these first three tests, it's controversial, but... It wouldn't be a terrible mm. idea to leave him out for one. And and Bird is a bowler I've always really liked. He's a you know he's line and length and he swings it. He takes wickets. He's he's been fantastic at shield level for a long time. You know he he would not be he would not weaken the side. But I can't see them dropping Mitchell Stark. No. I just can't. I think you're in you're in Johnny Bairstow land. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess you're predicting. Do you want to finish? Is that? Have you got any other like burning, burning topics you want to? 
Oh, look, I mean, if we're talking predictions for the second test, it'll be a match-saving 50 from Sean Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but he'll get out just after getting to 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, my prediction for the second, I, I think whoever wins the toss wins the test. That's my, that's my absolute gut feel. We've got plenty of it. <laughs> I think it's just going to be great watching a, a pink ball test again. I, I really enjoy them. They're, they're great. <laughs> and, and, and Cricket Australia clearly have no confidence that this test is going to go for any length of time, right? Have they... So scheduling a start on a Saturday is... Yeah, that's true. To get it all done in two days, lads. Do you want to... Uh... <laughs> Reese is just <laughs> stepping out. <laughs> I think we've, uh, we've, we've, lost it. we've lost a member. So I think we'll take this opportunity to, to potentially wrap up because I think if, if, you got, if, if, we're, losing, if we're losing people, we're probably losing people. On the <laughs> Reese has done a Matthew Renshaw in <laughs> India. He's, his, uh, his bladder or his bowels have taken over <laughs> and he's had to retire, retire sick. So I think um, I think we'll leave it there. Are you happy with that, Mikey? Yeah, yeah. Let's declare. All right. Um, give us a. We're still working on platforms for you to find us at, but keep an eye out for Silly Point on Facebook and the number one Silly Point podcast on Twitter. <laughs> There's some other fakers out there, so you can keep keep your eye out for the genuine product. Give us a like on, we're up on iTunes, Stitcher, some other uh, podcatchers. So give us, give us a like and give us a rating on there if you can. And uh, take it easy and enjoy the week and the week of cricket that is to come. We'll be with you in about 10 days time for a wrap up of the Adelaide test. Um, I've been Brendan Cummins. Good boy. Bye. Hi, I'm Reese. Bye-bye. <laughs>